turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Welcome to What a Life with Paul Batura. Paul is a best-selling author, writer, Fox News contributor, and vice president of communications at Focus on the Family. This is a show about the extraordinary value of every life. It's a show about movers, shakers, and culture shapers. And now, here's your host, Paul Batura. Well, thanks for that introduction, Dr. Bill. Welcome to the show, wherever you may be. And man, I'm hearing from you, and you're everywhere. We're, whether you're here in Colorado Springs, where we're based, or in New York, California, Florida, Kansas, I'm hearing from, even listeners up in Canada. It's the power of the airwaves, the internet, and the reach of the Salem Network. And it's the draw of the people we visit with each week. I think we're hungry for heroes, for legends, for people to honor, emulate, and learn from. And that's why we try to do that here each and every week. Well, you're in for another treat with our guest today. You know, living here in Colorado Springs, I often remark to my wife, Julie, how blessed we are to call this city home. It doesn't have the beach, but it pretty much has everything else. We have the Air Force Academy, the Olympic Training Center, great churches, hundreds of ministries, great organizations that are doing terrific work. And as a bonus, uh, it's just a pretty place with miles and miles of trails and none more dramatic or storied than Bar Trail, uh, which is on one of our nation's most famous mountains, Pikes Peak. Well, our guest today knows probably more about Pikes Peak than almost anybody in the city and maybe the state. Uh, His name is Ron Ilgen, and for the last 21 years, Ron has been the director and president of the Pikes Peak Marathon. Now, this is a marathon that USA Today just uh, named our country's best. And the Pikes Peak Ascent and the Pikes Peak Marathon are coming up on September 16th and 17th. I'm planning to run the marathon, just like I've run it for the last 23 of the last 24 years. Now, I know if you're thinking, wait a second, I'm never going to run a marathon. I'm not a runner. Listen, don't go anywhere. Uh, I contend that everybody is running something. Uh, Life is kind of a marathon. And regardless of whether or not you have a number on your shirt or on your shorts, Hang in there, because we're going to be talking about a lot of things that apply to your life. So, Ron, it is great to have you in studio today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, Ron, let's start at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to assume anything. It seems self-evident. But what is the Pikes Peak Ascent and Marathon? Pikes Peak Ascent Marathon, well, the Pikes Peak Marathon, we have it trademarked as America's Ultimate Challenge. I mean, it is, yeah, definitely... A very, very different marathon than your New York cities and Bostons. It's it's over almost eight thousand feet elevation gain to fourteen thousand feet, and then you turn around and go back down. But the real highlight of it is the course itself, Bar Trail, and you can be at the start and you can see the summit. You know I'm going to run 13 miles up there. It's very daunting. And then once you're up there, you can turn around and look back down all the way in demand to where you're going. So it's just the whole experience of the race and the sense of accomplishment once you finish that oh, race. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of people, when they see times associated with the race, mm-hmm. they get a bit confused because they're used to seeing these times of the New York City or Boston. Right. And obviously, it's a different animal. Well, it is. Yeah, We basically tell the runners, if you're thinking of running it, take your marathon time, and that's going to be your ascent time. And then, really, the marathon time is really an ultra time. So, you know, we, we almost classify it as an ultra race in time and, and distance yeah. and endurance. Yes. Well, now, people who are living in Colorado Springs or have been out here uh, almost always immediately see Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a majestic mountain. Um, the history of it, um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a famous, well, obviously Zebulon Pike, but tell, right. tell us, what can you tell us about when it was first identified? What did he say when he saw that mountain? Well, I'm not sure quite what he said, but he tried to climb it and he didn't get very far. It was late in the year and weather and he had to turn around and he said no one could ever climb that mountain, but what he meant really was on that day. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it was a landmark for him and all the original settlers or in, even the Native Americans back then. Do we, do we know when the first person stood on top of Pikes Peak? Uh, well, non-Native American, yes, and I'm sorry I don't have that at the top of my yeah. head right Yeah, now. it wasn't the marathon, no, but, no. but it was certainly— it was back. Easily 1870s or so. Um, so and I'm sorry, I don't have that. Yeah, no, that's right okay. Off the top of my head. We, mm-hmm. um, my father, who was stationed at Fort Carson, mm-hmm. he was then Camp Carson back in the 50s. Right. He had to do an exercise where they uh, took mules up Pikes oh, Peak yeah, uh, right. with equipment right. to kind of train and to demonstrate that mules could could right. traverse pretty rugged terrain. Right. Exactly. Well, that's what Bar Trail was made for, where for, was for people to ride the mules to the summit. They'd either hike up to Bar Camp and then take the mules from there on up. And so, yeah, it yeah. was originally a mule trail. Now we hear Bar Trail. I mean, those of mm-hmm. us who, have, who are into the race, um, named after Fred Barr. Correct. What, what do we know about him? Well, he was one of the original uh, Adamen. There were three Adamen people that... After he built trail, they decided to go take some fireworks up there. And so every New Year's Eve, they hike up there and shoot off fireworks. And each year, they add a man or woman. And it's quite the club now that goes up there every year and treats Colorado Springs area, Pikes Peak area, to beautiful fireworks display. Yeah. No, we love love that here in town. Mm -hmm. We love looking up there. I, as many times as I've been on the mountain, I don't. Um, I'm not jealous of those who have to hike it on New Year's Eve. Correct. That's a cold climb. Have oh, you have is. you ever joined that club no, for their I climb? No, I have not. Any not. desire to do it? Well, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a camper. I'm usually out of town that that week. I, I work in Breckenridge during the winter, so ah, okay. I'm not here for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, you're a native Coloradan, correct? And uh, tell us about where you grew up. And uh, yeah. kind of earliest memory in your childhood. Okay. Well, uh, I was um, my family was one of the original ranchers in Douglas County outside of Castle Rock, and so I grew up there basically on kind of on not on the ranch, but would help my family with the ranch. Lived in uh, Castle Rock and. Uh, Pikes Peak was in our picture window in our house. And so I've always had an admiration for Pikes Peak. 
and it's always been a part of the life and attraction for me. Uh, but yeah, grew up there ranching and, uh, and then, uh, came back and my job brought me back here in the early nineties and started running the peak from then on. Well, let's yep. talk a little bit about your, your growing up in Castle Rock, mm-hmm. a, sm- a small town at the time. Oh, extremely. I, I like no to, outlet malls. No, no. I like to joke. We were excited when we got our first stoplight. I mean, Castle <laughs> Rock, you could compare to Callahan in the size it was back then. It was just a gas station stop for people between Colorado Springs yeah. and Denver. And very small. And, uh, you know, the entire county, the high school was there in the county. Uh, so very, yeah, very small, but no, no not that way anymore. Yeah. For sure. Now growing up there on a ranch or in a ranching family, I can't imagine you had a dream of becoming the Pikes Peak Marathon president. <laughs> what did you want to do? Well, I didn't even know there was a Pikes Peak Marathon until I moved away and came back. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, Moved away, lived in Washington, D.C. area, started running, got into marathons. Fortunately, my job brought me back to Colorado Springs where I found out, what, there's a, pike, a marathon on Pikes Peak? I got to do that. And so that's, yeah, first year I ran the ascent, and then next year I ran the marathon and started volunteering and went from there. This is yep. what happens when you st- step up and offer your <laughs> services. Sometimes they take you literally. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. I, I can't say no. That's the problem. Well, that's that's wonderful. And, and uh, <laughs> let's let's put a couple plugs in here because mm-hmm. these races don't happen well, without God, the help no, of no. countless volunteers. Yep. Oh, no, good. Uh, no, we have – well, I like to say we print between seven and 800 volunteer shirts, and they're all gone after the races. But that includes search and rescue and all the supporting. But you get, you need to remember it's really now a four-day event. We have a, a pre-race uh, evening on Thursday. We have a full-fledged expo on Friday, Ascent Saturday, and the marathon on Monday. So, yeah, between all those re- days and all the pre-work, pre-preparation, post-race uh, cleanup, it's it's quite the effort. Yeah. And, if you're not a runner but want to experience to get involved, please, please go out and volunteer. It's an amazing experience. Now how can people? How can people reach you to volunteer? If, if they go to our website, pikespeakmarathon.org, and you'll go to the tab called Other, and on there is a volunteer tab. Yeah, and you can see all the positions we have and take your pick and get involved. These are the, I can speak from experience. These are the greatest people. Uh, <laughs> as a runner, when you encounter them, you're tired, mm-hmm. you're weary, or you're fresh at the very, I mean, they are the friendliest people. Uh, there's almost nothing they won't do for you. Exactly. And, and I try to populate a lot of our team with those who have run before so they know what you're going through as a runner. So they, they commiserate and they want to help you any way they can. Yeah to make sure you're successful. We're talking with Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon, uh, both the Ascent and the Marathon. He oversees that. This is coming up uh, here in Colorado Springs on June six, on September 16th and 17th. Um, Ron, we keep jumping ahead to your marathoning, but mm-hmm. you went to school out here in Colorado, University of Colorado. Were you right. on the Boulder campus? Yes, I was. Well, between there and then finished up at Denver campus. And mm-hmm. then what did you study? 
uh, math and computer science. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but then from there, um, became more into management, project management, and that type of thing. And what was in Washington, D.C. that brought uh, you there? That uh, Basically, the telecom company MCI that sure. became Verizon. And then after about 12 years there, they decided to build a campus in Colorado Springs. And fortunately, I was moved back home. Yeah. I was homesick. I needed my mountains, and they moved me back. Yeah, that were you on the campus over on Garden of the yes, Gods? Yes, I was one of the original people there. Early, All right. Yeah, yeah. listeners of, of the Springs who are longtime Springs residents remember that sprawling oh, yeah. campus. It was a major force. huge. Yes. Now, uh, back in D.C. is when you kind of started running yourself. Right, because there wasn't much outdoor activity to do. Grew up hiking and, you know, and so just started running races from started 5K, 10K, uh, half marathon, marathon, and, uh, you know, just more to get outside and enjoy outside. Of course, the health benefits and that. And so, um, it, you know, come back here, had to change a little bit from doing splits and trying to beat, you know, your PR to learning how to run at yeah. altitude and uphill. <laughs> now, we're already talking jargon. We're talking splits yeah. and PRs. Oh, but oh, I, I, no, no, I get it. That Believe me, I, mm-hmm. splits, of course, are, uh, how would you describe a split? Well, you know, what your time is per mile or yeah. per a set distance. Right, and a PR is? Is your personal record. Yeah. You know, you do a 10K in 40 minutes, that's your PR. I've, yeah. You know, for those of us who are in the running community, when you talk to non-runners, and you start to talk about times, you can sometimes see their eyes just glaze over. Uh, yeah. It's like you're you're wrought about a particular race and how poorly you think you did, and you're right. almost embarrassed to talk about a time, and then you share it with someone, and they're thinking like, "Well, it sounds good to me." I mean, yep, what, yep yeah. Well, you know, so, did yep. you did you run a marathon in D.C. Yeah, the I, Marine Corps. My first was Marine Corps marathon. Ah, what, what year was that? Uh, good question. Eighty uh, seven. 88. Okay. Somewhere. Yeah. One of the great marathons in the country. Oh, very much so. Starts right there. At the, starts and finishes at the Iwo Jima. Exactly. Memorial. Yeah. yeah. Runs all through down, you know, D.C., capital, the whole thing. Yes. My least favorite part of that race, though, is probably Haynes Point. Exactly. It's so lonely out yeah. there, you know. <laughs> You're cheered all the way and you get out there and nobody. Uh, yeah. And that's near the end. So, yeah. But what a fun. Uh, now, for those of uh, who have, you know, there may be people listening who thought, you know, I'd like to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. What what kind of advice? And obviously, I would not start with the Pikes Peak Marathon. You no. really can't. You need a qualifying time. Right. But for the the average person who may be thinking, you know what, I need to get, this is a good challenge for me. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of advice do you give to people who want to start running? Well, just start off easy and don't overdo it and make sure you enjoy doing it. Don't make it a challenge. Otherwise, you probably won't continue. But learn to love running. Just the freedom of going out and enjoying the outdoors on a trail or on a street and um, and the health benefits and the mental benefits of it and work your way up. You have to start with a 5K, work up 10K, 10-mile 10 half marathon type thing. Yeah. I definitely don't suggest running Pikes Peak Marathon as your first marathon. Start with the ascent and then uh-huh. you can work over. Yeah. Or run the uh, Colfax Marathon here in Denver. We're, we have a lot of great marathons here in Denver. Yeah. I love to hear you talk about the um, you know the, the pace is so important. Mm-hmm. I, I often tell people that the difference between a good run and a bad run can be literally maybe 10, 
20, 30 seconds per mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my theory is the reason so many people hate running for those who do mm-hmm. is because most of us get our first experience to running in high school right. or grade school. So, and they throw you out on a track right. and, and back then they was just run and, and just, kids take off like the wind and you're exactly. like, you know, worn out after five yeah. minutes. You don't know how to pace yourself. Basically learn how to pace and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. This is the advice of Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon. I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. Ron is a legend in and of himself. He's been uh, heading up this effort, this remarkable effort that USA Today has deemed the world, the country's best marathon. Um, Ron, you are not surprised by that. You know this is a great race. But tell me what it was like to get that designation well, as first, the president I, of the of the race. First, I was kind of surprised because we're up against New York Boston, you know, 30,000 runners, and our 800-person runner was uh, was awarded this. So in a way, I was surprised at that aspect of it. But I think it's just because of the 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 prestige of it, the aura of it, uh, you know, Pikes Peak, America's Mountain, and the r- people who have run it, such as yourself. Again, it's, it's a... Partner camaraderie between the runner and the event organizers and the race itself. It's it's an amazing experience. Yes, it, I, if I may be a little morbid, I call it a deathbed event. Meaning when you're laying on your deathbed and thinking, oh, "What did I do with my life?" Well, I did run Pikes Peak Marathon. <laughs> you know that yeah. type of thing. It is that um, impactful to you to a person's life. There, there are, I know you're collecting stories now mm-hmm. uh, ahead of the 70th anniversary right. of the race. Right. Um, well, is there one in particular that jumps out at you yes. from someone has shared with you? Well, we've been involved with Pikes Peak Marathon uh, was first to have a woman enter and complete a marathon in 1959. Wow. I mean, way before all the uproar with Boston and trying to force out the women competitor, the female competitor, she lined up with the guys, uh, uh, about 16 of them. She ran to the top to do the ascent, and then she decided, I'll just go back down. She came back down, finished the race. Everybody, yeah, great for you. The newspaper said, yeah, she ran the race. But she didn't realize, nor really anybody, that she was the first female runner of a marathon, at least in the U.S. And yeah. I'm almost able to say probably the world. But then she moved away, remarried. We The organization lost track of her. And so, we, you know, when I got involved, we— did some efforts to track her down, but we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of this event. So I hired a uh, private detective. Could you find Arlene Barron? This is all we know. And then he couldn't. He gave up. And then I put an ad in the Gazette, the local newspaper, find Arlene Piper, $200 reward. And a genealogist uh took on the challenge. And I mean, she was like a bulldog every day. Well, I contacted somebody here and no dead end. But, you know, we're getting down to the wire celebrating this on uh, on Friday, and it's Tuesday. <laughs> and I get an email that morning, we found her, now what? We said, call her, get her on a plane, and get her out here. And her daughter had also run that year, the ascent. So we got them both out here. 
and we had the big celebration, and there were women, people crying at we finally finally found Arlene Piper, wow, first female runner. Yeah, it, that by far is the highlight of yeah. my involvement. In I mean, what, you were dogging about that. Oh yeah, dogging, and I mean, it was just such a shame if we never found her. She did, she had no idea. She she was kind of leery of all this, and she comes out and she's queen for the day, you know, for the week, wanting autographs, you know, from obscurity to be on TV and being interviewed. Yeah, and then we brought her out for 10 years until she passed away uh, a couple of years ago. I remember her at the start of the you races. Do, don't you would you? introduce yeah. her and, yeah. Have her start the race. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's, really, that's, that's really neat. Um, for those uh, who may be familiar, there's this famous photograph of, uh, I, I can't even remember her name, but mm-hmm. she's the Boston Marathon runner right. who was almost attempted to be yanked off the well, course. Physically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard for people today in, in 2023 mm-hmm. to imagine that there would have been such a prohibition right. on women running. Exactly. But uh, here you were, uh, you know, here was the race right. you know, cutting new ground. Was uh, having been the first finisher in '59? Did when did women regularly begin running the race? Do you it have wasn't any? for at least five, six years later. When I call it the Forrest Gump era, you know, when the running really became the fad, that we had a good amount of runners coming out of San Francisco area and some local runners as well, and formed this organization called Peak Busters to support women running, and that became pretty big. Yeah. And so, yeah, then they went on from there as a tradition for the race as well. well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the very beginning. So mm-hmm. it kind of the Pikes Peak Marathon is kind of a fun story attached to its origins right. about uh, two groups of people, a bit right. of a competition. Right. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, there was, yeah, Manitou, is, from what I understand back then, was kind of a precursor to the healthy outdoor life uh, aspects of people. And there's a doctor that was here uh, only for a couple of years, and he didn't think uh, smoking was good for you this way before the Surgeon <laughs> General yeah. came out. So he and another person uh, decided they put on a race to top Pikes Peak and back for a marathon of challenging smokers to non-smokers. So, yeah, 13 people lined up. A few were, one smoker was a very good known runner in the area. He beat the runners to the top, but then he dropped out. I joke, yeah, he had to have a cigarette. (laughs) But he didn't finish the race, and only smokers finished the race that year. I mean, sorry, non-smokers. Non-smokers, okay. Non-smokers finished the race that year. And then from there, it just each year, a few more people, a few more people to turn into what it is today. And and if I remember the story, some of the people who were uh, the early leaders or early winners – they were some of them worked on the Cog Railway. Is oh, that yeah. right? Yeah, some yeah were on the Cog Railway uh, outdoor. Yeah, a good amount. So they're on the mountain all the time in good shape. Right. Big yeah. advantage. Yeah. yeah. The, for those who are not familiar, the Cog Railway is a uh, narrow gauge track that runs up to the top of the mountain. Uh, I think it's been running probably since the '30s. Some oh, oh, maybe even before then. Even that. I see. No. Yeah. About that. Okay. Just celebrated its 100th year. So, yeah, yeah, it's before that. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge advantage Huge advantage to be on that mountain right, and, and right, at altitude. Right. Uh, yeah, people who I often feel bad, I have to admit, I feel as a local, 
I feel bad for runners who come in from sea level oh, yeah. and jump on the mountain. And yet people do it every year. Oh, yeah. They, they manage. They persevere up there. Some don't, but some do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just amazed at how they can do that. If I, rem- I looked this up, uh, I, the name Walt Stack. Oh, Walt Stack, yes. Kind of a character. Oh, he was a queer- character from San Francisco, big precursor to the health advocate. You never saw him with a shirt on, you know. He was, he'd swim every morning in San Francisco Bay, but somehow he came out here and started running Pikes Peak Marathon. Then he brought the women who formed Peak, Peak Busters out here. And that's how Peak Buster says. So he was a big advocate of health and activity and, yeah, would come every year until he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I read about him, he one year he came out, I think he, you know, trying to acclimate to the altitude, he came out and, and ran six times uh, to the top of heading into the race. I believe I read that in the little Pikes Peak Marathon book. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, that's probably no, he, not the best uh uh, training regimen, no, uh, no. not recommended. <laughs> no, definitely not. But no, he was definitely a health fanatic. Yeah. We're talking with Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon uh, and the Ascent. Uh, my name is Paul Batura. Uh, this is Lessons, uh, What a Life, Lessons from Legends. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the race, legends in the race, people whose names you may be familiar with. But stay tuned after these messages and we'll be right back. Welcome back to What a Life, Lessons from Legends. I'm Paul Batura, and uh, we're joined by Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon. Uh, this is a, a very special conversation for me. I've been running the Pikes Peak Marathon since 1999, and uh, Ron has been race director since 2002, uh, connected with the race in a volunteer capacity uh, before that. But uh, the race is coming up. It's September 16th and 17th. Uh, I'm probably as ready as I'll ever be this year, but it's just so fun to be out there. As I often say to my friends, uh, the pain of not doing it is is really um, uh, worse than the pain of doing it, regardless of what condition I find myself in. But Ron, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. R- Ron, uh, it's great to have you. Um, Ron, you mentioned uh, volunteering uh, mm-hmm. for the race. You ran the race first at the ascent the, mm-hmm. the ascent before you volunteered had you ever been on the mountain before before you did the oh, ascent yeah. yeah yeah i would be uh but the ascent forced me much more to be going up the mountains so, okay yes now from what i hear people who do the ascent who kind of are marathon minded it's almost uh they regret taking those vans down the highway you know it's sort of like they feel like it's a undone event you know that's that what makes that's what makes them want to run the marathon the right. next year when they take the, the yeah when they do the ascent and they're going down yeah and that's why i tell them think when you get up there can you do you think you could run back down and if so then yeah get the marathon on your scope uh but yeah it is it is uh, a challenge for sure and the first year you did it was what year 93 93, okay. Yeah. Now, the race director back then was a guy named Carl McDaniel. Yes. Tell yes. us about him. I mean, his yeah. his passing was sad, almost poignant to yeah. happen so yeah. close to the race itself. Right, almost right. You knew him pretty well. Very well. Yeah, I was somewhat a protege of his and would help him. Yeah, Carl was um, a local kind of real estate, and then, uh, and then I think uh, high school track coach in some ways. Uh, but just... just uh, a real 
outdoors man. I mean, you didn't want to ride with him up the highway. He was fishtailing all the way up. He was kind <laughs> of a wild guy, but nicest guy. And his his management style was to have a kind of a pre-race uh, main people, okay, you'll do this, this, and this, and then show up race day with a wad of $20 bills. <laughs> and if you needed more water, here's 20 bucks, go get more water. He wasn't per se a, you know, that type of uh, project manager and say, yeah. but dedicated his many years to Pikes Peak. I mean, the race has come a long way, it, I, I yes. can imagine, in terms of its um, operation. Uh, you know, I, I often tell people that you have some of the best snacks of any race <laughs> I've ever run. I mean, it's uh, it's like almost a, a virtual feast uh, yeah. at aid stations. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to make sure you have everything you want and anything you need to help you keep going. The, uh, yeah. The yeah. two the two things that always stick out in my mind last year especially was the watermelon mm-hmm. at the summit. I mean, it is cold, juicy, sweet yep. watermelon. Yep. yep. And then the grapes. Yeah. Uh, my, my friends, we love the grapes. The grapes. Yep. Yep. We were talking today that we yeah, re- replenishing, definitely bringing back the watermelon this year. That was what a big hit. Do you have in your mind the volume? I mean, you always read in the New York City Marathon about how many cups and how many, you know, gallons of mm-hmm. Gatorade. Do you have in your mind how much volume of, of uh, melon and berries and things that you provide? Oh, not, not Skittles, that. M&Ms, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, not right at the top of my head. I could look that up for sure, but yeah. It, it, it is a major yeah. undertaking. Oh, though. it is, yeah. And, and what a lot of people don't recognize or realize, I suppose, is that it's not just that you provide the snacks at the bottom or right. at the top, but you provide them throughout the course, right. which some of them have to be carried in. Oh, most of it has to be carried in one way or the other. Uh, yeah, it's not like this gets supplies to third and main. We're getting supplies to, you know, 10,000 feet on Bar Trail. Um, but, yeah, the Cog Railway helps us get some of it up there. There are some fire roads uh, that we get four-wheel drive vehicles and, and drive it in. Or we bring it to the top and hike it down to A-Frame, which is the right uh, uh, aid station there right at Timberline. Hmm. So it's quite the ordeal. Two weeks out, we're we're getting we're up there, stocking up on all the stations up there. By now, have you perfected the the quantities of each item to pretty know much. how much you pretty much need? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. As far as water, uh, you know, Gatorade or uh, the the uh, sports drink, and the fruits and Skittles and M and M's and whatever. Yes. My yes. only complaint would now that I'm a slow runner would be to figure out a way to make that Gatorade at Bob's Road a little colder by, oh, okay. by Sunday afternoon. But Bob's I'm Road. joking. That's like oh, an impossibility, okay. <laughs> you know? Warm on, Gatorade is a little rough. Yeah, on, especially on your way, to, yeah, when you're coming back down. Do sure. you do you prefer Saturday or Sunday? Center for, marathon. Uh, I prefer Sunday. Saturday's an ordeal, getting 1,800 people up there, getting them back down. Um, it, it's it's a challenge on in that regard. Uh, Sunday, it's also a different class of runner. These are experienced runners because they have to have a marathon, and I'm not as worried about them, meaning they're prepared. They know what they're doing. If there's weather, they're ready for that. And uh, Ascent Day, we get very many who, oh, I can, I can go up 13 miles. I, I do 13 miles you know, in my sleep, but, but they don't know what they're really in for for going up yeah. On top of a mountain. So we have more 
uh, you know, need to support, take them out or help them out or turn around and go back down type of thing. You've had your challenges with medical <laughs> emergencies. You've had right. flight for life and um, you've lost. I mean, this is a sober right. subject, but you have people have passed away right. and, and by no fault of the race, but by the sheer uh, nature right. of the exertion required. Right. Yeah. In 2005, uh, we had a gentleman who uh, passed away near the summit, heart heart issues. And when I told his family, they all were, you're kidding me, because he was a very experienced runner and had run the race before. It's just he had a heart condition, and that day it caught up to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Now, you, were the, you had to pass along the news. Yeah. Yeah. And tell the son. Yeah. Oh but, boy, what yeah. a tough. Uh, yeah, was that was? Would you say of all the new uh, anything you've had to do in the race has that been the toughest? That's been one of them. There definitely uh, the toughest is calling the race as well. There's few times I've had to call the race off, and I know what that means to everybody to the organization. We've been working so hard to get ready and put this on, but to the runners who've trained for years per se, and then uh, we got to turn around and take you back down. Yeah, yeah, I had had friends one year, thanks to Hale and Lightning, mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, wound up actually running the, the, the um, I suppose you could say the the upside to it was they got a longer run in that day. Yeah, they definitely got their money's worth out of that. Yeah, they, they went up 10 miles up to Timberline, turned around, had to go 10 miles back when they were only going to run 13 miles, so... Yeah, it was uh that was uh that was a rough day, but lightning is so serious. Uh we just had to turn people around. Yeah. There was no question about that. There is a point of no return at some point. I remember mm-hmm. one year on the marathon Sunday, it was kind of one of those miserable mm-hmm. afternoon, maybe it was still early, late morning. There was hail and there was lightning and uh it was a bit daunting. Uh, I was on my way down when mm-hmm. it hit. Um, but uh, people were kind of nervous, but the, oh, the yeah. race went on. I think we've been very fortunate with the marathon. Uh, right. The ascent has been impacted the yeah. last uh, couple decades right. from time to time, but generally the marathon has gone off without a hitch. It's gone off fairly well, yes. Yeah, for some reason the ascent has been, you know, in 2008 we had a full-fledged blizzard. In the middle of August we had a blizzard uh, and had to – and that's the race I was talking about, where you had to turn around at ten up ten miles up, and then hailstorms. Uh, even two thousand twenty one, almost had to call the race because it was uh, very bad, up windy, sleet, cold, and runners weren't necessarily as prepared as yeah. they should. But so yeah, it's it's uh, it, we we were tied in directly to the National Weather Service. And constant updates the days before and during the race, so it's it's a major concern. Yeah, we're talking with Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon, which is coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, the ascent is Saturday. The marathon is Sunday, September sixteenth and September seventeenth. You talk about the pain of calling a race, of turning people around. Um, are you pretty tight on the turnaround times? If someone comes up a minute beyond cutoff. Do you sometimes look the other way and let them go down? <laughs> we can, yeah. Now, um, we can't force the runner to turn around and go back. But we highly, the reason we have the tur- uh, cutoff times is if you can't make that cutoff time, the likelihood of you f- making the 
the finish time or other cutoff times ahead of you is is unlikely. So it's more for them to don't waste your time right. trying because you're not going to make it. Uh, but if it's a minute or two, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's it's always kind of a call. If it's going in the wrong direction, yeah. uh, experience tells me with a race of that endurance, it's not going to get any better. No, generally, no, definitely. Speaking. Yeah, um, uh, boy, so many, so many things. Run, runners, uh, runners can be eccentric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, marathon runners can be a bit odd. Uh, Pikes Peak marathon runners. Maybe even a little bit different class of people, mm-hmm. serious runners. Mm-hmm. But um, you've had your uh, sense of characters throughout the your tenure, right? Um, you know, I've seen men with long beards and walking sticks, mm-hmm. and older people and that surprised mm-hmm. me. Right. Um, does any character stand out in your mind more than the other? Uh, one, well, a, a gentleman from Austria uh, would come every year and ran into his eighties. And was just a character in himself. But, yeah, we've had people run in Tevas barefoot, you know. So uh, I, I cannot figure yeah, out the barefoot yeah, runner. I, I mean, I, I get fact, beat up with my shoes on. Right. So, no, we've had, you know, Walt Stack definitely was for that. But, yeah, we get our eccentric uh, people up there. But, you know, that's they're dedicated. They're they're uh, goal focused and that's sure. their jo- yeah, what now, they do. Now, Matt Carpenter is sort of a local legend right. of sorts. Um, Inter- I read, excuse me, international legend. Yes, yes. correct. Mm-hmm. International legend. He's also a very uh, quiet person, um, rather okay. private. Well, maybe not quiet in the sense of uh, controversy. He, he yeah. created some energy that you had to manage. Um, I reached out to him to talk. He didn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm done with it. I leave that to other yeah, people. Right. Um, tell us about your yeah. crossing paths yeah, with Matt, Matt Carpenter. Th- th- Matt, you, I don't think he'd be offended if I call him eccentric. Uh, he, he definitely is. He was so goal-focused when he set his records. He would live on the mountain train, count how many you know Cheerios he had in his pack to get him up the hill, you know, drilling holes in his shoes to make them lighter. I mean, he knew every. Is that inch. legal? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's legal. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, fanatic. I would say more so. And he, um, yeah, in ninety three, uh, no, ninety four. I think it was uh, set the. No, I'm sorry. It was ninety three. Set what is termed throughout the world the unbeatable record up Pikes Peak and back down. And a few runners have come, you know, a few minutes before, uh, uh, over that, but not there. So we have a, we have a, a reward, big reward for anybody that can beat his record. And that record is like three hours, 16 minutes? Three hours, 16, 201 to the top and then one. Fifteen down. Yeah. Do, you, do you do you think it'll it'll be broken? I think eventually, but it's still it's still way up there. I mean, there's uh, trail running's becoming more and more popular. More and more people get involved and better at it. We've had some come close, but yeah, that is just that was phenomenal. Yeah, how I, <clears throat> you you mentioned the change in trail, or it's become more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are the tough mudder races. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, Pikes Peak Marathon was sort of one in of itself. I mean, there right. weren't a lot of other races right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the trend uh, brings different people now to the race, mm -hmm. more competitive people. Mm -hmm. uh, do you like the addition of the added com competition, or do you pref uh, do you do you kind of like the everyman nature well, of the race? Yeah, I, I like the added. You know, the elite runners from all over the world coming and you know going for the record, but I don't want to lose that average person doing something very extraordinary. Don't want to get away from that and concentrate only on who won, what was times, and really celebrate, again, the, a major life accomplishment for people. Don't forget that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's not hard to mix, but it's easy to get them separated and forget one or the other. Uh, but, yeah, trail running is fastest growing segment of running right now. And so, uh, yeah, we're seeing benefits of that as yeah, the sport itself. And you've had to implement um, uh, re, uh, qualification parameters. Uh, you know, I remember there was a time in the mid-2000s where that race would fill up in minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Websites were crashing. Right, uh, right. I mean, what a challenge that you had to oversee, <laughs> and yet you yeah. ushered yeah. in a new era of, uh, of, of registration. Right, right. We, yeah, the two reasons. One is we wanted to make sure that the person – knew what they were getting into and were able to get into that versus, oh, I can run 13 miles, and oh, it's, you know, but never even seen Pikes Peak or run anywhere in that uh, type of environment. And so we, we wanted to make sure the person, when they entered, had a good chance of being able to finish the race. And so it's worked out well, and... Uh, and also for their own benefit, uh, you know. Otherwise, they were liabilities on the mountain. Were hauling them out, uh, you know, because they got way over their head. Yeah, uh, I'm Paul Vitura. This is What a Life: Lessons from Legends. We're talking with Ron Elgin. He's the president of the Pikes Peak Marathon. And if you uh, have the weekend of September 16th and 17th open, uh, I'd encourage you to go over to Manitou Springs. The ascent starts on Saturday. The first wave goes off at 7 a.m. Uh, if you want to go up on the mountain, I think it's a little more complicated. You have to get a reservation, I think, maybe, mm -hmm. right, Ron, to mm -hmm. get to the yes. top. Uh, right. But the marathon itself on Sunday, they're always looking for volunteers for both races. Mm -hmm. the, the finish line in Manitou is a special place mm -hmm. uh, on Marathon Sunday. Uh, I'm curious, Ron, you are often there. I think you're almost oh, yeah. always at the yeah. finish line. Right. Um, that has to be a special place for you to oh, yeah. to witness the the fulfillment of months of training, uh, a lifetime dream. Right. Uh, you see a lot of tears, mm -hmm. uh, not just of of pain, but right. you see a lot of people fulfilling oh, a yeah. goal. What is that like? Oh, it's it's amazing. It's my favorite part. I mean, one year I'll never forget. Our cutoff is in twenty. You know, it's less than a minute. And around the corner comes a woman with her arm in a makeshift sling. Uh, she had uh, broke her arm above Timberline, made it all, her, all the way down and finished, and she was recovering from cancer. This was her recovery run. Wow. And to hear her story and her perseverance to go down all that way, <laughs> handicapped like that, in pain, and finish that race— under the qual uh, cutoff time was just yeah one of the many where yeah. you're just seeing people again something they'll they cherish for all their lives as a major accomplishment. 
I often tell people the most comfortable chair I ever sit in is that <laughs> folding chair inside the tent. Exactly. I mean, it is not oh, anything to write home about, but it exactly. sure feels good. Oh, yeah. To finally sit down, take a load off, per se, and and cool down. and Yeah, yeah it is. Our boys will often, uh, every year now, I, it, I've been running this race for so many years, and all of our boys, I've, they've been coming to the race literally their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wait for me along the railing. I come up mm-hmm. on the left. Oh, okay. And uh, they have now bring their water guns, and, and they oh, like yeah. to fire water guns at me. So that's always a fun yeah. thing to look forward to. Mm-hmm. You made the decision, kind of a difficult decision, I would imagine, to move the race from August when it traditionally has been to September. I think right. there are probably multiple reasons for that. Right. Um, you're in some ways rolling the dice or maybe not. I mean, we talk about the horrible <laughs> hail and lightning in August. Right. September tends to be more stable weather. Um, right. Tell us what went into that. Good, good question. Yeah. No, it, what went into it, the, the main reason was the popularity of Mantu Springs in the Pikes Peak um, Highway Summit. Uh, just bringing then three, 4,000 people in for an event with all the tourism going on was just nobody could really enjoy either one. Uh, so we worked. Uh, the hardest part was really trying to find a weekend where we weren't stepping on any other event's toes. Uh, so we were able to move to the third weekend in September. And the side benefit, yeah, it's cooler. You know, we've been having the heat uh, issues at the finish of the race, but <laughs> it's it's been much better because again we're taking two thousand people off the summit of Pikes Peak and there'd be traffic issues uh, compared with the tourists that were going up as well. So that was the two main reasons we did that. Yeah, well, I think it's a good I think it's a good move. I was a little <laughs> skeptical you. at first, me too, <laughs> and somewhat uh, a little sad because I thought you know this has been that this yeah. is the week. I mean, this yeah. is. Uh, it, it always felt like it was good timing, but now mm-hmm. I, it gives us a little more time to train right, right. and uh, maybe a little bit more stable right. weather. Exactly. So that, exactly. that'll be fun. And what I what I looked forward to last year was seeing some of the Aspen changing mm-hmm. at the higher levels. I mean, right. I, boy, what a beautiful sight right. to right. be up there near treeline. I mean, it, exactly. who knows you know, how the weather changes. Uh, things can turn right. different times right. of year, but it's a beautiful sight up there. It really do you, is. Do you have a favorite part of the trail itself, of all the spots along i mean you've you've certainly walked every inch of that trail and run what part do you find yourself thinking this is just remarkable yeah i kind of like the cirque which is you know halfway between timberline and the summit you still have some more to go but you can still start seeing the views and the mag you know how the massive mountain you're climbing up and the trails and the so the cirque is kind of one of my favorite areas yeah. Yeah, that is a pretty sight. And mm-hmm. the only downside to that is when you're there, you can often hear the summit. <laughs> and you're thinking like, I, I can hear it, but I know I'm a long way off. It's going to be a while before I get there. The announcer's there, and I still have more to go. That, definitely, yeah. Oh, speaking of the announcer, mm-hmm. I have to ask you. So the, those of you who have been at the race, or those of you who haven't, mm-hmm. the announcer at the Pikes Peak Marathon is a, is a I, I, I don't know his name, he is a character. Mm-hmm. He has jokes uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. like uh, up and down his arm. He's right. always cracking them, and he's right. a, a, a fixture there. He will is. he be back this year? He will be. Yes, yes. He's coming up in age, so we're going to get him some more help. But, to, yeah, to be on that mountain for eight hours calling numbers, 
He's amazing. He makes sure every runner will hear their name. And if you call them jokes, okay. I call them kind of, uh, no, they're good. We have yeah, to yeah. give them a lot of They're kind of dad grief. jokes. Yeah, just say, right? silly yeah, yeah, jokes. But no, Jerry Evans is his name. He's been doing it as long as I have. And he's up. And then next day, marathon, he's down at the bottom all day calling numbers. So, yeah. He always wears that hat, that long mm-hmm. hat to protect yeah, his yeah, neck from yeah, the sun. Right. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I've heard from people who have said, you know, I live an, I, I try to live a good life. I take care of my family. I, um, uh, you know, perform my job. Uh, but I don't often, if ever, hear my name called out. Mm-hmm. And, and people applaud. Mm-hmm. There's a specialness mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't realize that no. for what causes runners to go back. Sometimes it's just simple acknowledgement exactly. of something well done. Hearing my name announced as a finisher. No, that was big when I was running too. I'd almost slow down so I wasn't lost in the crowd to make sure. You know, yeah. That type of thing. Just right. Here, okay, yeah. I always wonder about the guy who puts his number on the back. Like they always yeah. tell you, put the number on the front, right. and some people just, are they not paying attention? Yeah, or? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, well, and their chip is on there, and it might not be read as well. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. yeah. There's, so, always, there's always somebody. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Ron, Ron you're, you're in your 22nd year now? 21st year. 22nd. 22nd yeah. year. You're 71 years old. Mm-hmm. We're about to be. Uh, and mm-hmm. you've, you've been quoted as saying, I'll probably never quit. Like you love this so much. You may pull back, you may transition mm-hmm. a little bit, but, um, I don't think I could see, I mean, what you tell me, what, what does the future look like for you? If, well, you, could, if yeah. you could write it, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I was, it's, I kind of taken it year by year, you know, honestly. Yeah. It's, can, I, I really wrestle. Can I step away from this? Uh, every, uh, since 93, I've been on Bikes Peak that, uh, for the, the races and uh, been a part of it and just part of my life. So, well, we'll see you at the race. Yes, definitely. September. Good luck. Thank you. September 16th and 17th. Mm-hmm. I'm Paul Baturi. You've been listening to Ron Elgin. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Oh. And I'll look forward to Ron seeing you around. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for listening to What a Life with Paul Batura. Let him know what you're thinking. Follow Paul on Twitter at Paul Batura, Or you can reach out to him on email at paul at paulbatura.com. Most importantly, live a life that emulates the admonition of the Apostle Paul, whose teachings are the inspiration for this show. Writing to believers at Philippi, Paul urged them, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We'll see you next time on What a Life.